charting your course. You know, it's, it's so interesting that so many people on, at, at the first of the year, you know, we, we try to write down goals, we try to write down plans, we try to kind of change direction. You know, you need to plan. You know, before you go to the moon, you'd better know where you're going. You better know your direction. You better know the coordinates, right? You don't just take off. When you're going on vacation, you don't just get in your car and decide to drive. You've got a place to go. Well, are you going anywhere? Where are you trying to go? You need to go somewhere. You need to have a plan. What's your plan for next year? Is it to just get $1,000 less out of debt? Good, that's a good plan. Go get it. What's your plan? You need a plan. People without a vision perish. Marriages without a vision perish. Families without vision fall apart. Charting your course. You know, if I were to stack two stacks of bills here on the pulpit, one stack was five $1 bills and one stack was five $100 bills, I don't think we would have a hard time deciding which one would be more valuable, would we? We would know, wouldn't we? One will get you a happy meal. The other one will get you some happiness. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Happy meal might give you happiness for a moment. But it won't last. But anyway, the Bible says that we don't have the same discernment whenever it comes to the worth of our words. Look at James chapter 3, verse 2. If you've got your Bibles, start turning with me if you don't mind. James chapter 3, verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he has an amazed wife. No. No, it says he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And so James, James's message is this, that it's maturity that makes us recognize the worth that our words have. And the way that our words, and the way that our words causes our life to end up worthwhile, or for parts of our life to end up wasted. And he gives us two examples. Do you know the examples? The first example is a horse. If you read in James... Take a horse, for example. He says, even though horses are so strong, we can put bits in the mouths of them, and through the bit, we can turn the whole animal. In other words, if we've got any cowboys in here, and we were to find a stallion that's never been broken. Now, I will tell you, in my youth, my dad got uh, five Morgan horses. And I had the pleasure of getting to help break them. I'd never broken a horse before in my life. Now, we had a cowboy with us, but they threw me on one of them. And let me tell you, that horse took me into barbed wire, took me into woods, and got knocked me off. And, you know, I was a little scrawny 11-year-old trying to get on a horse. They're big and strong. They're big and strong. But you put a bit in their mouth, You know, you get on this horse, try to get on a horse without a bit, and you're going to have the ride of your life. That's what we do in our life when our words take off on us. We get off on this ride out of control. We were out in Texas uh, this year and um, at a conference, and they had a a big fiesta out on the grounds, and they brought in a mechanical bull. (laughs) And you could get on that thing and 
they had a professional bull rider there that was operating it, so he knew what he was doing. You know, you'd stay on it as long as he wanted you to stay on it. How many of you feel like that's the life you've been living? The ride of your, your life, you know, and how many of you wish you had a saddle? And then you wished you had a bit in your life. But you go on, and, and he uses an example of a ship. No matter how big the ship is, how it's controlled by this little bitty rudder. And, you know, we're, we're kind of accustomed to cruise ships. Anybody ever been on a cruise? They're malls on water. I mean, rooms after rooms and entertainment and dinner on every end of it and food at every hour. But that big, huge ship is being guided by this little rudder. And you know, back in this day when he wrote this, they didn't have motorized ships. They were pushed by the wind. They were pushed by the wind. And you know, James is saying, you know, this ship is pretty large, large, and there's a lot that's going into our life, and there are a lot of storms. But if you remember, it's the wind that's pushing those boats. But he says it's not really the storms or the wind that determine where your life winds up. The determining factor is your tongue. Where your life goes is determined by your tongue. I want to start this morning with a story from Acts chapter 5 where the apostles were preaching. And let me tell you, the people were responding. They were hearing the gospel and they were responding. And the Bible says in Acts 5, 17 that the religious leaders got jealous. They were afraid because of this influence that these apostles were having on the people. And what they do? They arrested them and put them in jail. But listen to these words that the angel shared when God broke them out of prison. Acts chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, During the night, an angel of the Lord... During the light night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And he said, go, stand in the temple and tell the people the full message of this new life. In other words, he's saying, you have a storm in front of you right now, and here's how I want you to face the storm. Now, the angel's telling the, the men that are in prison, the apostles, you got a storm ahead of you, and this is the way you're going to face it. Instead of thinking there's nothing you can do about the storm, I want you to give the full message of God. I want you to give the full message of God's word that's in your heart, the full message of what God wants to do in your life, and I want to use your tongue, and I want you to sail through the storm into a blessing that God has for your life. I want you to know that starting with 2012, the things that come out of your mouth are going to dictate where you wind up at the end of 2012. God is a God who responds to the spoken word. Your spoken word. We're going to learn today that even as a business leader, you're going to learn that it's not the storms that sink you, but it's our lips that sink us. If you're a dad or you're a mom, you're going to realize it's not the storms that get your kids. It's our tongues that gets them. Think with me of the pilgrims from years ago when God put it into their lives to go into a new land and build a new country. What would they have thought if, if, if they saw all these storms that were coming and decided to turn and to run? They didn't. 
They stood on the Word. You know our nation was built on the Word of God? If it hadn't have been, we would have been sunk at the beginning. But we weren't. And the same is true in our life, that if we will learn to handle each storm in our marriage, each storm as we raise our kids, we can sail places that, where, where we so easily get discouraged. We can sail places that we seem to always get defeated and we can't get through. We're going to come through. God's not a God to lead you to the, to the Red Sea and let you get killed by the enemy. He's a God who says, put out your staff. Listen to my word. My word is put out your staff and put it down in that water. And let God be God. You know, you've heard me say over and over over the last few weeks, you need the word of God in you so that it can come out of you. You need to know God to know how he responds. So as you approach 2012, you don't, you don't approach it your way anymore. Your way, by the way, ding, 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 your way doesn't work. Never has worked, never will work. In thousands of years, it's never worked. In, for eternity to come, it will not work. How many of you would like to know something that you're doing that's wrong that needs to be changed that would give you an improvement? I, I, you know, it's, it's painful sometimes somebody tell you that you're wrong, but you know what? It's a good thing to know that way doesn't work. Stop doing it that way. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the Lord says your way doesn't work. His way does. Blessings or curses, you choose. It's a good word. Elizabeth, I'm going to catch you off guard. Will you just speak just for a minute about the self-fulfilled prophecy? Don't make you do that? Okay. All right. That's okay. Let's talk about David for just a minute. He's such a great example in the Bible that, it, that it, you know, even his father wasn't very affirming. We see that in Scripture. And the Bible tells us clearly that his brothers, they would use words to battle him. Do you remember when he showed up for the fight of Goliath? And they said, you're just here to see a show. You're just here to, to see the battle. You, you just, you're just coming to watch. You've you got popcorn and snacks so you can watch the show from the sideline. You know, he, they, weren't, they didn't build him up. They discouraged him about his dreams. And you know, as a young man, even in his 20s, he had some success. But the family he married into, you know, he married, he married the king's daughter. And his, his, his family could have helped him. It could have blessed him. But his family chose to hinder him. In fact, his father-in-law tried to kill him. Right? Everywhere he turned, he didn't have any help. But when we come to the Psalms, we see it, that David knew three things that were so powerful. He knew the power of praise. He knew the power of personal development. And he knew the power of speaking right words. Now let's look real quick, and I'll, I'm almost done for this morning. He showed us th uh, four things about the power of speaking right words. Number one, they protect us. He said that whenever we handle right words, whenever we speak right words, they protect us. Psalm 31 verse 19 says this. It says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. 
In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. In other words, God, in other words, David says that God was working his will in his life. And you know what? In his life, there were negative words that came came at him. And if he had let those words come into his heart, if he had believed those words, if David had seen the storm as more powerful than his dream that was inside of his heart, he never would have sailed into the life that God had given him. If he had believed the words that were said over him by his brothers, that were said over him by his parents, that were said over him by his father-in-law, by the king, if he had believed that and not believed the word, you know, he walked into the battle and he heard a word spoken, right? Do you remember when he showed up to the battle with the cheese and the, and the snacks for his brothers and all of a sudden Goliath came out and he started speaking and he heard the word? And you know what had happened to all the the people that were fighting? They had bought into that word. And they had led Goliath's word into their heart. And where did that leave them? Behind a rock, afraid, shivering. The whole nation, including the king. David could have bought into that. But he didn't buy into a non-affirming dad. He didn't buy into brothers that were on him. He didn't buy into a father-in-law that was against him. At this time, he was, it wasn't his father-in-law. <coughs> but don't think for a moment David didn't have challenges. But David had learned to worship the Lord. David had learned to put his trust in God. 2012, you stand here today hiding behind a rock. Your start is learning to trust in God. Because when Goliath spoke... David basically vomited it back up. He didn't take it. What did he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that speaks about my God like this? Somebody has forgotten who God is. Well, I believe I'll just show up and I'll just tell you. This is who my God is. I don't care if the whole army's standing back here. I don't care if he's 30 feet tall. I don't care if he's King Kong. My perspective is different than yours. I've got the word in my heart. Nobody can defeat me. God's walked me through defeating lions. God's walked me through defeating bears. Goliath? That goes against everything in me. Does anybody have anything to throw at this guy? Let me tell you, I believe that is prophecy. I believe the church doesn't have anything to throw at them. I think out of the mouth, out of the mouth of babes, I believe that we have just identified the problem with the church and they've got nothing to throw at the enemy. I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church. We come in here and we have a good time. And we go on to our own lives. And we live behind a rock. Scared in fear. Husbands, I will just want to tell you, it's your job. Dig yourself and your family out of your rock. And do it by the word of God. Forget your bills. Forget how much money you got coming in. Get your heart turned to the Lord. 
you need. They say on a an, on an airplane when when they're given their spiel about if the plane loses pressure. I mean, it can't be good if the plane loses pressure at fifty thousand feet or whatever. You know, it's anyway. They say put the mask on yourself, then put it on your people with you. Because if you can't help yourself, you can't help anybody. And husbands, start digging yourself out. Quit trying to save everybody. And you know what? Get the oxygen mask on you. Then you'll have something to give to them. Right now, you've got nothing to give. Church, right now, I'm just going to say, I believe that was prophecy. I believe the church has nothing to give. We need to have something to give. I'm not talking about money. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Get up out of your wheelchair and walk. Get up out of your spirit of depression and let, let, let this be broken off of you. The spirit of rejection, the spirit of bitterness. We've got people in families that's living in unforgiveness. Right here in this church, there are people right here. I don't know any of you, but right here. I know all of you, but I don't know what you're going through, but I know some of you here are battling unforgiveness. Is Jesus Christ not enough? Forget the person that you're having trouble forgiving and focus on Jesus. Is he enough or not? Is the blood of Jesus enough? Is the, is the price that he paid for you enough? It's enough. You've got, you've got Satan lying to you, trying to keep you bound up the rest of your life. 2012 does not have to be a life. And you know what? You may have been abused. You may have been beaten. You may have been hurt physically, sexually, mentally. You may have genuine hurt. I want you to know holding that unforgiveness is not the step out of it. The step out of it is forgiveness. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want you to have a rock to throw. You know that rock comes from the Word. And if you're living in bitterness and unforgiveness, do you know Scripture says you will, your prayers will be hindered. You know, it says you'll get sick. It says your relationships will suffer. It says your life will suffer. Your ability to be blessed will suffer. Everything will suffer. Forgive. I didn't mean to go. I didn't mean to go here. It is the word of God. CV, have you got a word? Come up here and come up, come up here and give it.
and if you'll just bear with me just a moment on my testimony here, this will be brief. About six months ago, I decided to make some changes in my life. Little things. Was a good Christian? I think so. Was I walking close to the Lord? Probably not. But I just started to examine myself. And I just, you know, I, I've got this, uh, uh, what I call, bulldog hang on for everything. You know, a bulldog, when he bites you, he'll just grasp onto you and he'll stay there until, he, until you get him off of you. That's what I decided to do in my Christian life. Those little things that people didn't know about me, my wife knew. Those little things that, uh, that people thought I might not be doing, my sons, all three, knew. So I just decided, I'm going to change. There's some of you out there like that. Men, especially. The pastor just spoke. It starts with us. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to look at your wife and look at your children and say, you know what? I had not been the example I should be. But by God, I'm going to be it from now on. You'll find out right quick who your friends are. You'll find out those people you used to hang around with don't want to hang around with you anymore. You know what? But every time you take a step toward Jesus, he'll take a step toward you. And you just keep taking those steps. Next thing you know, you're right there with him. And he'll take you by the hand. And he'll walk. And your walk gets easier day by day. Amen. It really does. I just love the Lord. If it wasn't for him, listen, I'm an old combat aviator. Now, many a time I strapped myself into an airplane and went off. Any, 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 any moment they could have taken me out. But the hand of God was on me. Yeah. It's still on me. I yeah. love him. I praise him. And I don't know where I'd be without him. Amen. And if you're in a position like I described to you that I was in just six months ago, turn loose of that. Yeah. And Jesus, let me tell you what he does. He takes those things and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. Yeah. Never to remember it against you anymore. Yeah. He forgives and he forgets. Yeah. Amen. You see me? Amen. Let's stay up here with you. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's bow our heads. And I just want to ask you, if that's you, I just want you to walk down here to the aisle and let us just pray with you. If that's you, if what CV has said, if you're just at a point that you need to turn, you need to say, I've not been the person I've, I've, I, I need to be over my family. I've not been the person that, that I've not, not been the example for my family. I've not been the example of a good man, of a good woman, whatever. I want you to step out and let's make a commitment right now, January 1st, 2012, to turn back to the Lord. If that's you, I just want you just to step out and come right on down here, and we're going to pray together. Amen. Come on down. If you're wanting to make a turn for your life, if you just want to make a, a stand of rededication today, just step out. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask right now, Lord, for you just to move in these men's life right now, Father. I just thank you, Lord, that you are a, you are a responder to our hearts, Lord. You are a responder. When we turn our hearts, Lord, you respond. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray breakthrough right now. As hearts turn, Lord, we turn. 
As hearts turn, Lord, you turn. Lord, as CB said, as we take a step, you take a step. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. Give us breakthrough. I thank you, Lord, that one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just ask right now to put this church to flight, put these men to flight, put these women to flight. Lord, that the Word of God would go down deep into us, Lord, and that we would have rocks to throw at these giants. These giants aren't going anywhere. They've got to have their heads cut off. We need some victory over sin in our life, Lord, in our church. Lord, when the enemy shows up, I don't want the response of we don't have any rocks to throw. Change us. Turn in our life, Lord. Lord, I ask you to bless this church, Lord. Grow this church, Lord. Grow us, Lord. Grow us closer together in relationship, Lord. Grow the men, Lord, closer together. Grow the women, Lord, closer together. Let us impart into our children, Lord, the word of God in this church. Give us breakthrough. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, how great you are. Lord, I thank you for CB's testimony that it says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I dismiss you this morning with prayer, I just want to ask you, if you have a prayer need, just step on out in just a moment. We want to pray with you. It's time for you to start speaking good words. We're going to be learning this the next few weeks, how to start speaking good words in your course to start taking the right, you to start taking the right course in your life. Father, I thank you for a new year. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who forgives. You're a God who restores. You're a God who redeems. You're a God who heals. Give us breakthrough, Lord, in our church. Give us breakthrough, Lord, in our businesses. Give us breakthrough, Lord, in our families. Give us breakthrough, Lord, in our marriage. Lord, over Joe McGee that's coming in two weeks over marriages, I pray for breakthrough over marriages in this church, over this community. We just give you all the praise. Lord, you are the God of 2012, and we serve you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week, regular time. Come down if you need prayer.